This is a father-daughter book club. A book club about the joy of reading together and me and my father discussing the books that we have read for the past time or like the last book that we have read. We discuss it on this podcast. So this week, the book that we read was The Alchemist, a classic by Paulo Coelho. Also, we have to make sure to tell you that there will be spoilers. Oh, absolutely. Spoilers. So, spoiler alert. (laughs) If you haven't read the book yet, press pause right now so that you can go and finish reading The Alchemist. It's not very long, so hopefully it doesn't take you too long to read it. It's only like 167 pages, so you should be able to finish it pretty soon. So, when you're done with that, come back to us. We won't go anywhere, we promise. And then you can join our discussion. This book is actually a fairly older book. It was published in 1988, originally in Portuguese. And then I believe in 1993, it was published in English. I always find it funny when you say something's an old book. I said older. An older book. Well, still older book. And it was published in my lifetime. I just, I think that's funny to me. I know it's it's much older than you are. You weren't born until 17 years after this book was originally published. But it's just funny for me to hear. Like, we have different ideas of what old is. Like, for me, something old would have been published in, like, the 50s or 60s. <laughs> Not the 80s. The 80s were during my lifetime. I know. But yeah. I mean, like, it was an older book because... It was published not in the 21st century, so that's why I say it's an older okay. book. No, I, I get it. We're, we're from different generations, so we have different <laughs> ideas of what old and new are. Yes. So, this book, as I said, was originally in Portuguese, so this book actually has the Guinness World Record for most translated book by a living author, because... It was originally written in Portuguese and later translated into 67 different languages. Wow, that's a lot of translations. Yes. The book also won uh, several international awards, including the United Kingdom's 2004 Nielsen Gold Book Award and France's Grand Prix Literaire L Award in 1995. I'm certain I pronounced that wrong. (laughs) And it also won Germany's Corrine International Award for Fiction in 2002. So, it's a very popular book and a very good book. And here is the synopsis of The Alchemist. The Alchemist tells the story of a young shepherd named Santiago who is able to find a treasure beyond his wildest dreams. Along the way, he learns to listen to his heart and, more importantly, realizes that his dreams or his personal legend are not just his, but part of the soul of the universe. Obviously, you can tell that this book has very many lessons in this book. It has a ton. What valuable lesson did you get from reading this book? That's a really good question. I don't even know where to begin with answering it. I think... Um, one of the, the lessons that I could take from this book is that sometimes you have to follow your heart, um, and your heart, yeah, you have to listen to what your heart says. And what, what I also thought was interesting when it spoke about the heart is that sometimes people ignore their heart and 
Additionally, some people don't even know how to listen to their heart or over time, they kind of lose that ability because sometimes the heart tells you things that are scary, you know, like what it wants you to pursue it might be scary for you. And as people grow and, and they, they want to do things the safe way, they stop listening to their heart. And so I thought that was a, a very interesting lesson from this book. From this book, I actually got that everyone has their own dream that they wish to pursue but are too scared to. And this book is saying no matter how scared you are, fear is the only thing that is holding you back from reaching your personal legend or dream. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So, we should believe in ourselves more <laughs> and not be scared because really we are the only things that are holding us back is the fear that we won't be able to obtain it. That's very that's a very good lesson. I think something that Santiago learns in this book numerous times right because he 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 runs into many obstacles along his journey and has to remind himself continually that um that he has to overcome his fear in order to reach his goals his dreams so the whole thing how this journey started was from him having a reoccurring dream and so he goes to this gypsy woman to try and see what it means. All right, can we can we uh, slow down a little bit there before we get into the specifics of the story? Yes. Because I think it's important to note that this is not a children's book. No. <laughs> and for the duration of the Father-Daughter Book Club, we've been reading either children or young adult novels. But this is not one. So I'm really curious to know how it was for you to read a book like this. It was actually really easy to get into because, well, this is just a really good book in general. But, I mean, I don't know. It didn't really have anything risky in this book. But it was fairly easy for me to read. And I feel like, I mean, The Supernaturalist, that is one of your books. Would you consider that a YA novel? Oh, it's definitely young adult. When the whenever the the protagonist is a kid, that's sure. that's who you can tell who the book is written for. Sure. So, um, the supernaturalist, they're what fourteen, fifteen years old. Um, most of the other books, the protagonists that that we've read, they're tweens, right? I think the oldest protagonist that we've had in a book is sixteen. That's definitely Probably. a young adult book. Yeah. Right. But in this one, it doesn't give. So that's what's interesting about this book is that it doesn't give Santiago an age. It it calls him a boy. Um, but I think he's he's older than a teenager. So he's probably a young man at the point of this book. He's probably in his early 20s. And the 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 things that he comes across, the issues that he deals with, the the major themes and elements of this book are drastically different than you'd find in any. Why in in any kid's book, for sure. And so that's why, like I said, reading a book that's told from an adult perspective, how you felt about reading a book like this. Honestly, I really enjoyed it. It didn't really seem very different than a normal book. But that's also because, I don't know. But I mean, like, parts of it, I was like, whoa, you're ready to take that leap? 
Okay, in yeah. One, in a few parts. Other than that, no. So then I'm glad we chose this book then because, um, you know, there are definitely books that not only in, in addition to content, but the way that a book is written, I think, could turn a reader like you off if they're too young to read a book like that. But this one, um, it's kind of a, a good transitional book for you where it's, in my opinion, it's not a young adult novel. It's not a kid's book and it's not an adult book. I think it's a, a book for all audiences. Definitely. All right. And so, sorry. So we took a little detour there. So you were asking, or you started to talk about how Santiago began his journey, right? Because this book, as we mentioned in the synopsis, is about Santiago's journey to, to find his personal legend and to find a treasure. And Santiago is actually a sheep shepherd. A shepherd. A shepherd. Yeah. And he kind of thinks that, well... This whole started because of a reoccurring dream that he had while he was on his way to, um, what is it called? Shave his sheep? His sheep's wool? Something like that? Yeah, he's going to a city where he knows that his sheep, well, he wants, first of all, he wants to see a girl that yes. he has a crush on, and but he knows the girl's father will, will buy his sheep's wool. Um, and... He keeps having this recurring dream, so he goes to this gypsy woman and asks for a dream interpretation or a palm reading, kind of. Right. And so my question is, do you feel that palm and dream interpretations can really come true, or are these just myths? Personally, I don't have much experience with like palm reading or fortune telling or anything like that. Um, off the top of my head, since I don't have experience with it and based on my current like value system, I would say that they're just myths. But I know a lot of people put stock into things like palm reading and tarot card reading, things like that. I just, I don't know enough about it. I've never gone to anyone to have my palm read or to have my fortune told or anything like that. And it seems that it seems unlikely to me that somebody would be able to tell your future. Because if they sense. could look into the future, then, you know, there's so many other things that they could do that are of value as opposed to just, you know, reading palms. So I don't know. I don't know how, how I feel about it. Um, I would need to have more experience. I think it works as a good um, narrative device in this case because it kind of, this is one of the things that spurred Santiago to pursue his dream. Or his personal legend. Right. So I think it worked well in that in that case. But in, in reality, I don't know if any of that is real. So for me, I, I don't know. I mean, I do believe that palm readings can be real. But I don't know if they can come true. Because I know for myself, my mom has actually done card readings for me and... We've done them together with me and my mom's friends who are into that kind of stuff like crystals and card readings and stuff like that. So for me, um, it could go either way. So they could be true, but like they, I feel like they're real, but they might not necessarily come true. That kind of defeats the purpose of it then if you get a card reading done and... The person who's doing the reading is going to claim, of course, that 
what they're saying is going to happen. But then, if they, So if they don't come true, then that would prove that they were wrong, right? Yes. That's what I'm saying. They might not necessarily be right, but that doesn't mean that they can't read the cards that you pick. I mean, it's all of what you're drawn to, that cards... Yeah, it's not. that's not something I fully understand, so I, I don't want to make a judgment <laughs> there or, or speak about something that I don't know much about. Okay. All right, so you mentioned, though, we've... We've mentioned several times, actually, that Santiago is in pursuit of his personal legend. And the legend that he, he learns from the, gypsy, the woman. gypsy woman is that he's there's a treasure waiting for him at the pyramids of Egypt. And then he kind of gets this legend confirmed when he meets the king of... An old king what was the, the pers- of Salem. King of Salem, Mel- Melchizedek. Something. Is like the name that. of that king. And the king confirms the the let like confirms the story that the gypsy woman told him and says that yes you need to go to the pyramids immediately because that's where you'll find your treasure and so this becomes his goal his dream kind of his life's purpose and so what do you think about people and personal legend how do you think that's how that's how um santiago found his so how do you think someone else would be able to find their own personal legend um Honestly, like you said, follow their heart. Because their heart is part of the soul of the world. Okay, so that's... Right, that's terminology from the book. Yes. Right? So, do you believe the soul of the world is real? Well, I feel like... Because, I mean, the world is a living place. Mm-hmm. So then, I feel that most things that are living do have a soul. And I feel that... The soul of the world is basically your heart. So that brings me to another another question then. Do you feel that everything is connected the way it's portrayed in the book? Like you said, if, if everything has a soul and that soul is within our heart, the way that it's portrayed in the book is that we can communicate with the world and with our heart and with the desert and with the wind. And so it's it's using it's saying that because all of these things are connected we can communicate with them so would you would you say that in our world in real life that everything is connected the way they portrayed in the book mm, that's an interesting question i don't know i would say that yes everything does have a soul but i wouldn't say that everything is connected in that way how would you say things are connected or if they're connected at all I would say that the sun and the wind are connected. And I would say that the earth and the soul of the world is connected. So certain things are connected with each other because they have close in meaning to each other. That's interesting. Okay. I follow you. Yeah, I don't know how. I, this is a very spiritual question. Obviously, it's obviously it's a spiritual book. Yes. <laughs> So, I mean, it's called The Alchemist. Well, alchemy is not, that's another question that we'll get to. Alchemy is not necessarily spiritual, you know. It's actually the the transformation of one metal into another metal. I know. But, in order to, well, there's certain symbolism that we'll get to in the book. So, yeah, I don't know how I feel about everything being connected. So, the way... What happens in the book is that Santiago is able to listen to his heart 
and thus he's able to listen to the desert and communicate with the desert and then he communicates with the wind and the sun and ultimately the creator right the hand that the hand. wrote all the hand basically that wrote god all. right and so i don't know if that's possible i don't know if it's possible for a person to communicate with all of those things the way so that's you know there's a little bit of magic and fantasy in this book in that regard well this but, book is fiction of course of course but this idea of things being connected one of, i thought what was really interesting is that it said in this book because even though it's fantasy it actually had a i i found a scientific correlation for it and it and it's, yeah it says in the book you know it's like i said it's we all come from the same thing is what they say in the what it says in the book Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I hear quite often from Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's perhaps like the most famous scientist in the world right now. Right now, who's still living. Right. Yeah. The most famous scientist alive. He says all the time that we're made from the stars. Like we're made of the same stuff that the stars are made of. And wow. Like when you think about the the magnitude of that statement, scientifically, he's saying that our atoms are made up of the same things that the stars are made of. Well, if you can say that, then spiritually it has, a, I think it carries a ton of weight. And what this, where this book is going is that we're all made up of the same thing. We're made up of the same thing as this, this, the desert. And that's why we can commune with the desert and with the, the wind and, and everything. And the sun. And so, yeah, when I, when I relate what, Coelho says in the book to what Tyson says now. Um, it's Coelho. Well, <laughs> I'll try. I try my best with the pronunciations. You know, I'm not always spot on with them. I know. But those uh, those two people, like I've read a few of Coelho's books, and he's far from a scientist. In fact, most of the things that he writes about are spiritual in nature, and rarely does he bring in scientific Science, facts right into his novels but to find such a, a at least for me a deep connection between what he's saying in the alchemist and what like i said neil degrasse tyson is saying it means a lot because people often try to pit um science versus spirituality as two competing ideas when they may not be they don't have to be especially like in this case they turn out to be very alike very similar Mm-hmm. Okay. That was actually so. We you asked that question at the beginning, and I and I didn't have this answer for you at the time, but a valuable lesson from the book. That's that's a valuable lesson that I that I learned from the book too. That everything is made of the same thing. No, that science and spirituality don't have to be against each other. Exactly, and not that I didn't know that before, but it's nice to have it reinforced in a book like this. So we've talked so much about personal legends. Oh, we didn't really answer that question, though. So, uh, do you, well. How do you think one can achieve their own personal legend or find their personal legend? Is there a way for you to obtain it? Or, because for me, personal legend is a dream that you really want to pursue. And that people who are around you will help you achieve. But how do you achieve it? How do you think you can achieve your own personal legend? So I think it's much more complicated than what they do in the book, which is, you know, just go out and do it. 
trust in the omens. Um, trust that. Uh, or trust in the signs. Yeah, I think it, there's there's more to it than that. It, it's not just a simple matter of follow your heart and then everything will turn out okay. Um, life is much more complicated yeah, than life, that. Life is it is it is far more complicated, and it's it was full of twists and turns and things that you wouldn't expect and things that detour you and everything. So, I, so the book does a really good job of portray, portraying that the pursuit of your personal legend is not something that happens overnight. It's a long journey. It takes him years to make it to the pyramids. It took him a year. Oh, longer than that. Because it took him... Uh, he was in... Oh, yeah, it did. He, you know, he started off as a shepherd. Then he sold his sheep. And he be, went to a city. And he thought he would, you know, head to Egypt. And he thought it was going to be... The pyramids were going to be right there. And he finds out that, no, it's a long trek across the desert. And then he... Has his money stolen? He ends up having to stay for about a year before he's even able to gather up the money again to to pursue his his treasure again. And so it takes him. So then two years. I would say at least. But then by the time he makes it to the pyramids, and then he finds out that his treasure is actually not at the pyramids, but back where where he began. So he had to make the trek all the way back across the desert and go back to Spain to go actually find his treasure. So it took him several years. Um, and so that's what I thought was important that they showed in the book that you can't just, Hey, I'm going to go get my, my dream. I'm going after my goals. And then it happens for you right away. No, it's something that takes a long time. And, but contrary to what the book says, I think it requires far more planning. Yes. It requires you to have a plan. Like, okay, if that's your goal, if that's your dream, then you have to analyze what it's going to take to get you there and make a plan that, that. That's achievable for you. But I think... And then that's how you get to achieve your dreams. I think that's what the book is trying to say. That sometimes you can't always have a schedule or a plan laid out. Sometimes you just have to go with it. And if something detours you from your original plan, that's okay. Just go along with it. Yes, so I think it's a combination. It's exactly what you said, where if, if life happens, and sometimes that will detour you from your original plan... But don't let that discourage you from achieving your dream. You still have to, you may have to change your plan, but ultimately it's like, you know, when you, when you're driving somewhere, right? When you're driving somewhere and say you want to get from home, we live in Pomona and you want to go to Reno. We took a road trip to Reno, (laughs) right? So before we left, I looked up the directions and I had an idea of the route we would need to take to get from Pomona to Reno. But as we were driving, we ran into some things that forced us to change our route. We ran into some traffic. and An accident? And then we had to go kind of go around the traffic. We ran into an accident. That's right. And then we had to change our route completely um, and completely go around like a road closure. And so the original plan, we didn't, we weren't able to follow it exactly, but we still reached our goal, our destination. And so that's what I mean. But we wouldn't have gotten into the car without having a plan first, which is we needed to get directions. We wouldn't have left without knowing some sort of idea how to reach our, our goal, our destination, which this book kind of glosses over that. It just seems like he he kind of dives headfirst into the ocean yeah, to try and get his goal to reach his personal legend without really knowing how to get there. So I think it has to be a combination. You have to 
you have to be able to adjust. Yes. You have yeah. to be, you know, if, if your plan get derailed, if you get rerouted, you have to be able to adjust and then still stay on the course. But you have to leave, you have to start with a plan. You can't start with nothing. That issue, like, you can't just wing it and expect that you'll get to where you need to be because unless you want to just wander around and in search of a personal legend and then you never achieve it when you're when you're about to die because you've just been wandering around the desert for so long and you don't know yeah. what you were supposed to do. Santiago gets extremely lucky to find people that help him along the way. Like he meets um, the Englishman who tells him a little bit more about alchemy and then you know he meets the alchemist who's able to take him to the pyramids and Kind of, it seems like each step along the way, he he's getting help, but that's not how it always is in life. Like in life, you have to be prepared. Santiago wasn't very prepared, although he did he did a very good job of learning lessons along the way and then applying those lessons to what he was experiencing in the moment. But never once did he actually prepare himself. So, I think that's one of the reasons why he he came across some tribulations because anytime he would get to a point where he wasn't prepared to take the next step, then life would kind of slow him down when he learned that. So like he, he starts off in Spain and he takes a boat into Africa, right? To our ferry trip or whatever it is into Africa. And when he gets there, he thinks that pyramids are going to be right there. But then he learns that the pyramids are actually way across the desert. So he didn't know that he wasn't prepared for that. And guess what happens to him? His money and his and everything gets stolen. So that kind of slows him down, keeps him rooted in that place for a while until he's able to until he's ready for the next step, which is to actually cross the desert, right? But if and that took him about a year to get yeah, ready for so, it. So Santiago has fortune on his side, but you know, you can't expect that to happen. I think you have to be a little bit more mindful and plan better than Santiago did. Yes, definitely. He didn't plan at all. Right. Okay. Okay. What aspects of the story are the most relevant to you? Has reading this novel changed the way that you see your own life? I want you to answer that question first. I'm curious what you have to say about it. Uh, honestly, I don't really have any part that really resonated with me. But it did change because it changed me to forced me to look around at the life at the world more and to not just be so concentrated on one thing and sometimes just look up at the sky or just sometimes just walk around not like wanderlessly wandering kind of to appreciate nature okay but i don't really have anything that really resonated with me okay yeah, I don't know if there if there's any part of this story that's relevant to me either. I what's interesting is is this idea of of knowing when and how to recognize what your personal legend is. And I don't know if I've ever had that. Like I don't know if I've ever had a dream or a moment of clarity or an idea of what my ultimate personal legend would be so I, yeah i don't know if this book is relevant in that regard 
um, it's definitely it's definitely a lesson in following your dreams. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I've never dreamt that way. It's, it's strange. I'm, I guess I'm too practical or too. <laughs> you're too more realistic. focused on yeah. the present. I guess you're more focused on the present than what you really want to. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And it's good that you want to stay in the present, but sometimes you do have to look into your future and see, okay, what point, where do I want to go in life? If you just want to stay here or if you want to go out there and see what's out there. Right. And it's interesting. You're reading this book now. You're 12. I think I read this book for the first time when I was, maybe I was around 23, 22, somewhere around there. And I'm reading it again now at 36. And the great thing about books is that you can read them at different stages of life and get something different out of it each time you read it. Like something that you read when you were young uh, might mean something different when you're older. And so this book, I, I, my first impressions of this book, um, I think at the time I'm, I might have been more in tune with my spirituality, whereas now I'm, I'm less so. So this book does make me want to explore a little bit more of that side of myself again, because um, I haven't done so in a long time. So maybe that's that's has reading this novel changed the way you see your own life. Maybe that's maybe what I'm reevaluating right now as a result of re- reading this book. Because, I mean, I guess you could say I'm in tune with my spirituality because I understood a lot. What he, but none of it really resonated. Yeah, it goes beyond understanding. I'm None of what he said in this book was confusing for me. It's just a matter of whether or not I can apply it to how I lead my life. And doing things like listening to your heart and stuff like that. I, you know, I, I listen more to my head, my head these days. You know, I'm in my head quite a bit as opposed to in my heart. And I think there has to be some sort of balance between the two, which maybe I hadn't before at the time that I read the book the first time. Whereas now I'm definitely more in my head than in my heart. I mean, I'm more in my head too. I'm constantly thinking and sometimes like a ton of my thoughts just don't turn off when I go to sleep. Yeah. But I don't really listen to my heart. I mean, because I don't know what my personal dream is. I don't know what is in store for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Which, mo- if you listen to your heart, you have more of an idea. I'm just kind of mindlessly, I'm just like a leaf blowing in the wind, not knowing where it's going or anything. I'm just going along, going to school, getting an education and trying to lead a good life. But I don't know if I necessarily have the personal dream that I have. And that's, I mean, you're 12. <laughs> you know, you. I wouldn't expect you to have all of that figured out yet. I would expect for you to be trying different things that maybe you start off doing this and you like it a little bit, but then you stop liking it and then you try something else. Maybe you like it a little bit. But what I would hope is that the more you try things and you, but that, that you find something that you enjoy, mind, body, and soul, and you're able to... Which I do gymnastics well there you go well i hope you find something in addition to gymnastics because i can do that forever you can't unfortunately your body won't let you <laughs> i know why well actually i did see like a six-year-old woman doing gymnastics the beauty of, of gymnastics though is that the skills that you you get there are transferable to other things you may not be able to do competitive gymnastics at at age even 25 
you know, because a lot of women stop competing in their early 20s, right? Some are able to compete longer than that, but it, it just depends. But those skills you can use elsewhere. Like maybe you decide to become a dancer dancer or maybe a, a rock climber or maybe a, an American ninja warrior. <laughs> yeah, right. No. Why not? I don't know. Well, I don't think I can be okay. an American Ninja Warrior. So either way, though, like you, you can transfer those skills elsewhere. Is all is what I'm saying. So, so do you have anything that you enjoy? Mind, body, soul. I don't know. Like I said, I I think that's where I've kind of lost, maybe lost the ability, as Santiago mentions when he talks about the shop when he's working at the glass shop, the crystal shop, the crystal shop, and that that person seemed to. Like, he wanted to make a trip to Mecca, but he never did. And, and over time, just kind of you know, lost the desire to do so. And maybe I've, I've kind of lost that ability to listen to, to my heart over time. So, I don't know. I don't think I have one right now. I have to try and, like I said, I have to try and get back in tune with it and see if I can find it again. Uh, wow, where to go to next? <laughs> Are you surprised that where Santiago's treasure was hidden at the end of the book and... Why do you feel that it was significant that his treasure actually was where his journey began? Like, what significance do you think that had in the book? Yeah, so that was, <laughs> I thought that was a, it was kind of a bitter ending for me, actually. But he ends up finding the treasure. <laughs> he does. But he, there was all this buildup about him finding his treasure in the pyramids. And I guess that's what the author was going for is, okay, you're building up, you're putting, uh, in stories, they often call it a MacGuffin, which is, I guess in movies, they use that term a lot, but it's anything in a, in a plot that all the characters are trying to go after. And in this book, he's going after his treasure in the pyramid. So for then that treasure to be moved to right back where he started, I guess it's a life lesson more than anything. And it represents something bigger, but as a reader, not trying to find a life lesson in the book. Just for me, it, it felt, I was disappointed. I was like, man, I thought he was going to find his treasure there. But instead, <laughs> he, he gets beaten up <laughs> when he goes to the, to the pyramids and he's digging. And then these other, I guess, warriors or thieves or somebody comes along and sees him digging. And they, they rob him and they beat him up and they keep making him dig and I was like, man, that's a tough, that's a tough way. But I mean, ultimately, it was ironic, right? He gets to the pyramids and he comes across a thief who beats him up and... Well, more than one thief. Right. And But then the thief says, oh, yeah, I, I heard some somebody told me once that there is a treasure way back in, in Spain. And I don't know, it was a little, it was irony where where I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't I wasn't pleased with the way that happened. I actually kind of like that part of the book because sometimes life does play tricks on you like that. And also, if he hadn't gone on that journey to the pyramids, then he wouldn't have learned all of that. Oh, I think the journey to the pyramids was absolutely necessary. He wouldn't have learned anything. He wouldn't have learned to listen to the heart and... He, to listen to his heart and he wouldn't have learned to look for the almonds and he wouldn't have learned omens omens he wouldn't have learned like this 
alchemy, he wouldn't have learned about the personal legend if he hadn't gone on that journey. No, I, I, I agree. I agree that it was necessary for this character to make that trek across the desert. That's not what I'm saying I didn't like. I'm saying I didn't like was by the time he got to the end of that journey, he had to go back to where he began. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and now, like I said, that was the irony in it, right? Where he, he did all of that. He went through everything he went through only to find that he was already at his personal legend. It was back where he began, back where he started from. And for me, it would have ended better had he found his journey, his 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 treasure at the pyramids. That's just me. I can certainly understand how you would like that, the fact that he got there and then he discovers that his legend, his, excuse me, his treasures back where he started from. Why do you think I like it? You just said you like the way it ended. True, but did you originally think that I would like it? No, I didn't have an opinion either way, but based on what you just told me, that's why I said I understand how you how you could like it. Just for me, it was kind of a disappointment. Yeah. All right, so there's one more question I want to ask Kalia. Um, again, kind of thinking about... The ending. Uh, not okay. necessarily just the ending, no, but... So that question, yeah, we have that. Uh, we have another question here about, about that, and I don't know if we have time to answer that one, because I do want to ask this other question, um, which is about the title of the book. It's called The Alchemist. Santiago is not an alchemist. Or is he? Uh, so that's who who is the alchemist of the book who do you think the alchemist is to me the alchemist is the person who showed him to me basically the person who guided him through the trek across the desert because he was a very important character in the book right he's the one who's actually called the alchemist in the book he's able to turn uh, lead into gold but Santiago is able to turn himself into wind. So, I don't know. (laughs) I think this book kind of challenges, in a way, what an alchemist really is, in my opinion. Because alchemy, I mean, we kind of hit on it a little bit earlier in our discussion, but alchemy is, you know, it's the transformation of one metal into another. Which is usually gold. Right. But there's a point in the book where Santiago, I think he learns that transforming something from its original self into a greater self whatever that something is it could be metal it could be a person it could be a seed it could be a home it could anything anytime you you're able to transform something from basically into its greater self then that itself is alchemy what do you think of that i get that a lot because um Actually, that kind of symbolizes the book because the alchemist, well, alchemy is basically turning something into something greater than itself already, like you said. And now that he went on that journey, Santiago is a better person than he was when he started the book. He's now a better person and has a better understanding of the world. That's right. And... I actually remember a part in the book that said the alchemists, well, some people were just originally looking for gold, but others were able to dig deeper than that and be able to, and they were the ones who knew the secret of the, of the soul of the world, and those were the ones 
who followed. I don't. I don't know how to explain it. Do you remember what part I'm I, talking about? I, I do, and I think basically what that passage was saying is that, sure, at the very basic sense, an alchemist can transform lead into gold, but those people who were simply in it for the money, pretty much, never realized any true personal legend. Like they never got there because you have to look for something. Like you said, you have to look for something deeper. Um, life is more than just the pursuit of money. And anybody who pursues only money will never find their personal legend, will never achieve all they can achieve. And that's, you know, again, we talked about lessons at the beginning of our discussion. And that's another lesson in this book, I think, um, because that's what Santiago is. Even though he's he's been told that he, he can find a treasure, he he takes the journey more seriously than that. He doesn't know what treasure he's going to find. He doesn't know if it's going to be a monetary treasure or if it's going to be something else. But he takes the journey and he learns the lessons along the way. He follows his heart. He listens to the omens. You know, he does all of that. And at the end, I think even though he finds the treasure, like the actual, you know, buried treasure, I don't think that was his true, his true treasure. Like the treasure may have been finding the woman at the oasis who was his true love. It may have been um, being able to connect with the soul of the world, the soul of the world. And then, like you said, he turns himself into wind at one point. That right there may have been a greater achievement than finding the treasure. So, yeah, I think I think that's going to wrap up our questions. We I want to know what you think overall. Let's get into our final thoughts of the book. Honestly, this is a great book. I can honestly see why this has so many awards. Because it's it's an extraordinary book to me. Yeah, I would agree. It I enjoyed it the first time I read it, and I enjoyed it again now. It can be a little bit fanciful, <laughs> but I'm okay with that as a as a novel. You usually don't like fantasy books as much. You prefer science fiction. I like fantasy too. That's not what I meant. I didn't say fantasy. I said fanciful. It's a different oh. word. I thought you said fantasy. No. <laughs> Fantasyful. No. Um, but yeah, I, I still really enjoy this book. I would recommend it really to anybody. Anybody. Like I said, I think it, it hits a lot of demographics. I think anybody um, who's beyond reading picture books can probably read this book and enjoy it. Because, I mean, I'm only 12 and I read it and enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So maybe not like a six-year-old, but I think... You know, a 10-year-old or older could probably enjoy this book. Who would you recommend this book to? Anyone, like yeah. you said. This book can resonate with a lot of people, but not necessarily. Well, some, everybody can get something out of this book. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so what's up next for Father Daughter Book Club? Another classic, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Yes. The classic novel by Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. So we warned you last time that it might take us a while to finish The Alchemist, and we finished it much faster than we expected. But this particular read, Pride and Prejudice... This one definitely will take us a really long time to read, because it's like 375 pages. (laughs) Right, so it might be a, a month or so before you hear from us again. But go ahead and get a copy of Pride and Prejudice. 
I'm sure they have it at your local library. If not, go to a bookstore and get it. Um, and then when we do have our discussion up, you can come and join us at our website, fatherdaughterbookclub.com. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes or Google Play or Pocket Casts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Really, you can subscribe to us there. You can find our our podcast feed at our website. And also be sure to leave a review or comments so that way we can get this podcast out to more people in this country because, you know, I I feel like people can really benefit from podcasts like these because a lot of people don't like reading. And this book can, you know, change people's perspectives on reading. Oh, reading is great. It's great. And I know that like some people say that I read too much, but that's because they just don't read enough. So once they start to read enough, they will definitely not say that I read too much. That's right. So thank you for listening to this episode of Father Daughter Book Club and we will see you next time. Bye.